rarely are we ever allowed to just exist. There's always some sort of tether or constraint or expectation or value placed on us. I want to help people in feeling like your existence is not a burden. Everybody. Welcome to the Daz Move Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Saladino, and today we are doing our, let's see, one, two, three, four, fifth peer interview, I believe. I believe. I hope I'm right. Uh, today, I am sitting down with uh, peer support specialist, Sophie. Hey. Welcome. Introduce yourself. Hi. Yeah. Sophie Glogovac-Smith. I am a non-binary queer peer facilitator mental health professional and yeah existing in this realm <laughs> boom um what area do you work king county king county mm-hmm. plenty to do there you don't have mm-hmm. to jump over to any other counties no oh, yeah i'm up kind of in capitol hill too so oh, there you go there's a lot going on yeah definitely how are you liking it so far I, you know what? I love it. I like strategically this last move I had, I wanted to open my door and be around people because I can really isolate. So like I needed to know I can walk out and there's going to be stuff happening. <laughs> um, and it has not let me down. <laughs> Actually, there's this, one, there's this one guy who comes into the neighborhood about once a month. I actually need to check in on him. I haven't seen him. But he'll come to the window and he goes, hey, lady. Hey, lady. And if I'm home, I go to the window. I'm like, what's up? He puts on a little boom box and he'll play 90s R&B and dance for me for like like 10 minutes to an hour. It just depends. And then he's like, see you later. And I'm like, all right, my dude. Like, yeah. So I mean, made a few acquaintances and it's a vibe for sure. Every day is different, which I need. So, whenever I hear stories like that, I just think of the song "These Are the People in Your Neighborhood." Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's like this, just, just, yes. it's just neighborhood life. Yes, no, absolutely. There's a few people that like, if I don't see them outside for a certain amount of time, it's like, okay, where are they at? <laughs> like everything. I hope everything's going okay for them. But yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, okay, so born and raised. Yes. Okay. Uh, This is always an interesting question for me. So I was born in Nevada, uh, in Reno, Nevada, Mm -hmm. and I lived there until I was maybe like four or five and then moved to Portland, Oregon and lived there for a few years and then moved back to a place called Virginia City, Mm -hmm. Nevada, which is just its its own realm of existence. And then I moved back to Reno and then have lived in California in a multitude of cities and now Seattle. So the one thing about me is I have the only place, the longest I lived in one place was four years of high school. Wow. Every other year of my life, year to year and a half, I've moved that's a lot yes it is it is I'm sick of it my soul hurts (laughs) when I move I can't I can't do it anymore so yeah wow um so what was it like doing that with uh with school it was hard I think that's why like sometimes I identify as really socially awkward but it's really because like you learn like everything has its time limit or its Mm -hmm. end right like to in a beneficial way but also in 
like a sad way when you're a kid. So it was like people I met, I was already preparing to be like, okay, I'm not going to know you for very long. Right. You know what I mean? So like, um, it was hard to develop some of those social skills. Cause I was like, for, for what reason? I don't have a reason. <laughs> like I'm going to be gone in a year. Like you're lovely. Um, and, and what really broke my heart was when I started the second grade, the teacher was taking attendance and she called my name and then right after called her name was Sophia Weeks. And I was like, Oh my God, we have the same name. And so I love when you're in second grade making friends. Right. Cause <laughs> I went up to her and I just was like, Hey, we have the same name. So like we're, we should probably be best friends. Right. And Clearly. she was like, no, that makes so much sense to me. <laughs> um, and so from that moment we were, we were BFFs and then I moved for the fourth grade. So I moved to a different school in the third grade, but was still in Portland and then moved out of state and it just broke my, my little baby heart. Like Aww. she was my best friend. Um, but yeah. And, but at the same time, I will say, it was kind of cool and beautiful because mm -hmm. I got to see so many places. I know how to interact with so many different people and right. like I can kind of become a chameleon for better or for worse. And it served me well in this job, just being able to have an understanding of like so many different ways and places like from which people come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, I, I like that chameleon part. Mm -hmm. you, uh, when you have, um, so much exposure to different cultures and yeah. different people and different areas. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, no, that's, it's, it's great that there's a, there's a benefit to be found. Yeah. And I think change is hard for everyone and it's hard for me, but that helped. Mm. You have to get used to it. It's like, okay, change is inevitable. That's one thing that should right. be. Yeah. Um, why'd you move so much? <laughs> that's such a good question. Uh, so when I was younger, part of it is my parents are kind of like, they were just artists that were like, we can't stay in one place too long, like both okay. neurodivergent and so moved around a lot. But then there were also things like there's a lot of addiction in my family. So we would lose housing or like um, gambling was a big thing, especially coming from Nevada because that's mm. Nevada's whole vibe. Mm. Um, so it was like financially something would happen. So it was like a, a, a multitude of things. And then I think in my adult life, part of it was I was with a partner for a long time who was also doing the artist thing, right? And um, yeah, they just always had an itch to kind of do something new. And I think because I had that experience of like never getting too tethered to a place, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is a vibe. Let's do this. Like, You've been go. there, done that. Yeah. You know how to transition that yes yes I'm hoping like I need to I need to live somewhere for like at least I would I would even take three years would be a blessing like I do not want to move again for three years I don't have it in me so <laughs> um but yeah I think sometimes it satisfies my brain in ways I don't think I recognize like I like change I like you know I'll like re decorate my room every month just okay. so I have a different environment so yeah it was, it was both, <laughs> it was both really, really hard and really right. great. So, yeah. Okay. So just going through timeline in my head as yes. we're talking. Um, so fourth grade, you move out of state. Mm -hmm. Was that back to Nevada? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when did, so depending on location, when did you hit junior high? 
I did. Oh, so sixth. Sixth grade. Sixth grade. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where were you? So I was in at that time in the sixth grade. I was in Virginia City, Nevada. Okay. So I lived there. Well, Virginia City. <laughs> I lived there for <laughs> um, from fourth grade, so however old that is, until when I moved um, in high school. But we lived in like four different houses in oh, that wow. time. Yeah, and um, but yeah, in Virginia City, middle mm-hmm. school. So, so how was middle school for you? Okay, so I, I love to ask that because I know it's a time. You, yes, right? it is. And honestly, for me, middle those were my prime years. I have never been oh. a more confident little human in my life, bro. Like you could not tell me that I wasn't everything. <laughs> like middle school, I thought was like I. I had this. I remember like I was. I was. <laughs> I was so petty, bro. Like I would go play basketball because I was really good at sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just liked it. And so I would go play basketball, right? And like I would play with the dudes and like stuff them, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff a shot or something. And I would just like rib them oh. or like come to school with my favorite jacket and just be like, you just can't tell me anything. <laughs> like, and so I actually like flourished in middle school, which is weird because I feel like that's usually a time where sometimes it can be really hard that transition. Mm-hmm. But I think like that's something moving helped a lot it didn't feel like a big transition it was just oh. like it's just another move um but yeah I loved it I loved it and um yeah it was like some of the best years of my life when I look back like you could not pay me to go into the past there's no amount of money even if right. we were like here's a billion dollars you'll never have to do anything for the rest of your life but you have to start back in high school I'd be like no mm. Absolutely not. Thank you, pass. Um, so, but it was a vibe. High school was where my life just was weird. All right. Hard. All yeah. right. So let's dive into high school. So where were you? Yeah. So it was in, it was still in Virginia City. So you have like three years. It was sixth, seventh, eighth middle school. And then it was the high school went there. Um, and I just... Um, I think like my neurodivergency, sometimes I think when people hear me say that I'm weird, it feels like they're like a a negative connotation, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. no, you're not like you're, you know what I mean? But to me, it's like, yes, right? That was was always my mom's. You're not weird. You're not strange. You're unique. And I'm like, no, no, weird. And yes, owning that, like, I like my weirdness. I like the ways my brain feels different sometimes because I feel like it enables me to be passionate about certain things and connect with all types of people because I don't, there are some barriers that just like, I feel like I don't have because of my weirdness. But um, so, (laughs) and I think when you go to high school, some of my weirdness is just not that age group right like you you need to kind of try and be a little cool in in high school Mm -hmm. especially in the 90s like you had like saved by the bell and shit like that right where you're like Mm -hmm. um so yeah so i like (laughs) let's paint a picture of young sophie yes so i go from middle school and like really having this confidence right and go into high school and from the time i was little i always wanted to be an environmentalist because my i got this 
mini book on trees and I was like oh this is everything this is this is life like yeah I'm gonna do this and then I took high school science and I was like so we need we need a swerve here we we, we have to change paths but because of that I had this brown pair of cord corduroy pants Mm -hmm. and then a like uh kind of grass green shirt and green converse and I wore it once a week and yes yes rude yes trunk yes so I wore it once a week in honor of trees and I would ride my green razor scooter to like save the environment and um the scooter didn't fit in the locker so I had to carry it from class to class and so and I'm I'm very neurodivergent and so like especially when I was younger sometimes it didn't connect with me that people were insulting you right mm-hmm. that like sarcasm right which I've now learned to master because I was like no one will insult me without me knowing about it right. um but so I just was like this very aloof like whatever um and it was also the first year I have a sister who's a year younger than me and we're real close like i took care of my younger brother and sister a lot. So she was like my baby. But I, we kind of developed a codependency on one another where it was real hard not to have that relationship and support with me in like this brand new setting. Um, yeah. And then I did, the only thing I think that really saved any of my social reputation in school was I just did sports. Like oh. I love basketball and volleyball. And so building community through those events but yeah I just was weird now looking back I'm like in all the best ways but it's like when you're in that setting you're like oh I wish all these things were different about me but now I'm like no I wouldn't change it like it has definitely helped me be the person I am today so it's it's weird looking back um I, I feel like as I get older, at least, um, I start to understand more and more what adults were saying to me. Mm-hmm. and th- mm-hmm. But then trying to remember in the moment why it didn't catch. Yes. Because it'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, no, it's so great that you're different. Yes. And no, look at how amazing and artistic and all this other stuff. But when you're in it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're like, F that, bro. I'm yeah. trying to fit in with my peers right, right now. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a jungle out here. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not... This is not where I want to stand. Yes. What, what, what's the what's the metaphor? The um uh the taller bl- blade of grass is the mm-hmm. first to get cut. Yes, like, yes. Like, no, I'm trying bro. to fit in and be quiet. I'm just trying to like lay low. Like I wanted to just kind of be a little because I you know it's like I think sometimes in in neurodivergency right if people don't because not everyone's gonna know so it's like mm-hmm. not everyone can appreciate or understand or even like your personality right and like vice versa I've had people in my life like that but mine as a kid came off as one of those personalities that people say you're a lot you know Mm -hmm. you're a lot you're a lot and so like my dream was like let me be a wallflower Mm. like I'm not trying to be too much I'm not trying to be a lot like let me blend into the background and so like after my freshman year and I just had the experience of being like my full weird self with like wearing my tree out for every day and like all these things. Right. Like, um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to become kind of like a behind the scenes, play my sports, get out kind of mm-hmm. type deal. And so yeah, high school wasn't a vibe for me. Not it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Like I'm, I did it. And yeah. Right. <laughs> um, 
other than sports, what what were you into? What did you like to do in high school? Um, I've always loved art. I love art. Um, like any that's one thing that I would say my parents really like gave me space to develop the most beautiful coping skill. I think like when I'm doing art, I just feel it's like safe. I'm supposed to be in it in that moment. And I think my art, anytime I make it, it's for someone else. I just don't know. Sometimes I know in the moment, sometimes I meet the person and I'm like, Oh dude, this is yours. So I would do a lot of art. Uh, I, I watched and hung out with my younger brother and sister a lot. And so we would, (laughs) we would, and we were like, um, not affluent by any means. Mm-hmm. And so like, uh, I would always ask my mom to save our cardboard boxes and make like laptops out of them. And we would set up like, we didn't play house. We played like business, oh, like, <laughs> like, uh, I'm a supervisor, excuse me, like who's coming in here. And so we would have laptops and like our, our cardboard cell phones oh and stuff. Right. And like my younger, my younger brother, he's four years younger. So he'd be like the sandwich guy, right? Like bringing in, <laughs> bringing in like lunch for the CEO meeting my sister oh and I were God, having. That's great. <laughs> yeah and uh we had a lot of we made up we were creative like my brother and sister and I like we our games we took it to the next level bro it was like we're not just playing this game we have to build the whole scene like we, it needs to it needs to be realistic enough um so I would do that I loved spending time with them swimming I love swimming so anytime we could go to like like privileged to be by Tahoe Mm -hmm. out there. So anytime we could talk one of my parents into driving up there, which I now understand more between like gas and energy, why they didn't want to do it 24 seven, but, um, doing that. And otherwise, like I also, I just also really love, I feel like sometimes it's taboo, but like, I love TV. I mm-hmm. loved watching shows. That was like my escape from reality. That was our was generation, like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like now it's and all so internet many good and 90s everything. Sitcoms. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at, the, at the time, I I can think of a billion that mm-hmm. like can still quote. Yes. And if I saw it on, I was like, oh, I shouldn't watch it. Yeah, I'm watching this. Right. Yes. And my sister was like the MySpace. She was like, let me oh, be on MySpace. Uh-huh. But I. I just couldn't connect with it. I was like, first of all, the drama around rating your friends. Nah, oh my God. The top 10 I can't. or the top was yeah, it eight or I 10? think five. Oh, what was it? It might've been five. Yeah. I, I remember the stress of that mm-hmm. and like, no, no, no. I have to check theirs first mm-hmm. to see if I'm on their top five. And if I'm not, then hell no. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have, I didn't have the bandwidth for that. Mm-hmm. And you had to interact with people and it was kind of like coding. If we're being real, we were all mm-hmm. coding on that MySpace. So I like deleted mine also with the dial up. So it's like, if right. someone picked up the phone, right. all my code gets deleted. Uh, like, yeah. no, yeah. no, no, no. God, I, I, would, I told you I was on. Right. Like, yeah. So I was like, I don't, I do not have time for this. Like I'm going to go watch like recess and yes. have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. Nobody appreciates recess. No, enough. It's so good. Oh. It's so good. Oh, Yes, recess. Hey, Arnold, one Saturday morning, Mm -hmm. because we always just had like local cable wherever we were at. And so one Saturday morning was like everything. It was the jam. Because I remember we would go to my grandma's house and I was like, hey, grandma. And then just like go to SpongeBob or Nickelodeon or something. Like, yeah, 
like you have all the channels. Like, oh. it's it's great to be here and see you, but like I need to get my SpongeBob. In. We love you and we're hungry, but yeah. other than that, what's that TV doing? Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, so um, so high school mm-hmm. was a whole thing. Um, what what did you do after high school? So I moved I moved out pretty early, you know, because I was. <clears throat> the one thing about Virginia City is it's very, very conservative. It's a very specific demographic of kind of like, um, kind of like old money white people, mm-hmm. like that have just generationally been there, but on the very, very conservative end of the spectrum. And I was like a very neurodivergent kind of like hippie parents and, um, like queer, very queer and knowing that, but like not ever being able to express it there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it wasn't safe. It was like. So was it a, I know there's something different and I need to explore it or was it like very, I know who I am and I need to get out of here? Yeah, I knew. So like I, I remember so specifically when I was um in the sixth grade, I had this friend, Ashley Brown was her name. And, um, like I, I had a crush on her. She was just like, yeah, it was the, it was one of the first times for me where I was like, Oh, this is more than like a friendship. But when you're little, you don't know what that means. You just sure. categorize it as like, Oh, there's this meaningful thing, whatever. And I remember I, I love my parents, but they, you know, I think there's this like, um, I think sometimes for parents is like, I can accept that there are gay people and I love gay people and do your thing. Right. But when it's my kid, that right. just, it feels like a whole do like new concept for well, them. And, and I so, got to deal with now I got to do, I, I have to actually yes, be in it. Yes. And I think, um, just the fear around, cause there was, there were, there was just a lot of gay people getting hurt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think a lot of parents too were like, you can't do this cause I can't, protect you it already feels like too much kind of type deal right it's not safe yeah yes like you're there's this extra level now of like concern I have to have Mm -hmm. and so I think you know I'm to I always try to look at especially now as an adult just knowing parents are just like human adults trying their best just, most just of the trying time to make sure my kid is <laughs> safe happy yes, healthy yes and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so she she saw that, you know, I think, I think moms and, and dads and parents alike, you know, you know, certain things about your kid cause you know them. And she saw that and kind of could the, put the kibosh on it. Right. It was like, no, nah, we're not doing sleepovers. We're not, you know, oh, and so wow. I internalized it deeply as like, this isn't okay. Like, so I directed my energy to like, okay, I need to try and conceptualize what it would be to be with a dude. Like, and and in the way a young middle school brain would be thinking about that, right? Right, like, right, right, right. <laughs> which is all kinds of yes, yes. Like place. yeah, it was confusing because I never, I never liked guys. Actually, it was really it's not funny. Like poor guy, but the first boyfriend I had, I had in the ninth grade, and um, <laughs> he he was like pretty popular and like uh, I guess a lot of people wanted to date him I don't know I was like it was I was I couldn't be bothered I'm like I just need to have this experience right right, right. and so we dated and this poor this poor guy he would take me out on a date and he was really sweet he was nice he was whatever um we, we would get to the door 
And he would go like, you know, eventually, I guess, after a few dates, like mm-hmm. you might have a first date kiss or something like that. Right. And and I think it was normal for him to think that. But in my mm-hmm. mind, I'm like, there's absolutely no way. <laughs> yeah. This will never end in that. Like, it just isn't going to happen, bro. <laughs> like, Meanwhile, but, in his brain, he's like, okay, so this time yes, we get the kiss. Yes. And then in like two or three, and then yes. next year, maybe. Yeah. But like, there's a no, timeline I, of I, affection going on. Bro, I admire speaking his persistence. From, speaking from personal experience, there's a timeline of affection that's yes. in, the, it's yes. in the brain. Yeah, and especially when you're younger, right? And so <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> bro, I got so good at. This poor, this poor boy. I, we would go, he would walk me to my door. It would be like the traditional place where one would, I guess, have that kiss, right? And bro, he would come. And I remember I just was like, okay, I got to get out of this. And I just would literally dip, go in my door and close the door. And he took that for like a, like eight months, I think maybe. And um, we... We ended up going to prom because I wanted to break up with him. But my mom was like, you said you'd go to prom with him. You have to go. I'm like, that doesn't register. Like, shouldn't I let him go with someone that wants to be with him? And she's like, no, you made a commitment. You have to do this. And I was like, I just really think you're wrong. (laughs) Like, I really think no. But so we ended up going to prom. And... um. That was an interesting, yeah, that was an interesting prom, but we ended up going and I remember like a week after or something, I broke up with him and then there was like a rumor in the school because you go to a small school, right? So everyone, there's, what is there to talk about? Mm -hmm. But they all were saying that I'm just using him to get to go to prom, but where their argument failed is that our school's so small. We only had like a hundred kids. Everyone could go to prom. Right, 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 right. So you didn't have to have a date to go to prom. And it just was like, for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get better at figuring this whole dude thing out. Like, <laughs> like a kiss, it might have to be in my future. Like right. if I'm going to sustain life here. So I need to like, I really need to like check into that, but you are not passing. <laughs> right bro right like because for me out. it just was like i remember that moment it was almost like a like it could have been in a movie where someone's <laughs> face is kind of gravitating toward you and and just this young little 14 year old me who at the time had less of a filter than i do now believe sure. it or not but i just was like no <laughs> no thank you so all of that to say that by the time i graduated even though i had a lot of shame and denial and really mm-hmm. um at that by that time rejected that of like I'm not gay no no that's not who I am um but I knew that like just who I was I wasn't gonna thrive being there so as soon as I turned 17 graduated I like was like let me go to college worked a bunch of jobs and got some scholarships and just like got a place and with my cousin mm-hmm. and I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Let me get out of here. So I have a, just going back a little bit, I have a question. So, mm-hmm. um, the, so your mom, you know, stopping sleepovers and everything. That was, my assumption is from how you're talking about it, that was with no conversation no. or anything. No. It wasn't like, oh, hey, mm-hmm. or anything else. It was just, she had an inkling and. Yeah. Oh. And, and that's kind of. That's that's a lot of the communication I got. So like my my parents both come from real 
traumatic abusive backgrounds like mm-hmm. i honestly some people have like mixed feelings but i have the dads of my parents like are their dads they're not mm-hmm. grandparents they're not family mm-hmm. i don't know them nor do i want to and my experiences mm-hmm. with them have been subpar at best um and so but where they both come from like that is the culture like don't be seen don't be heard don't say anything like if you have emotions like try to go do that somewhere else kind of type deal and so they they loved having kids but they just didn't know how to communicate about anything right so i didn't feel unloved but i often felt confused Mm because i never knew what was going on we never to this day so when i came out i it's so funny you can tell how how like parentified i am in some of my stories right when i came out i sat my mom down on the couch and i was older because i was in denial about it i remember being a freshman in college and someone was like bro are you a lesbian and i was like what why why are you asking that Who's asking? Did someone say something? Did you talk to my parents? Did you talk to Ashley Brown? Like, um, and uh, she was like, no, you just like, you post a lot of girls on like your social media. (laughs) And uh, she's like, also like a lot of drag shows and stuff. So Ah. I just was wondering. And I was like, no, bro. I just like, I love everyone. I just like inclusivity. And I think it's awesome. And like appreciate everyone and appreciate women. Everyone's beautiful. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And then, and then in the same breath, I'm like, but like, not to do it's like you know what I mean? while but i'm like dating yucky. while yeah, i'm yeah. in like a long-term relationship <laughs> with some dude that's like yeah so i i said i won at one point i was like with um a, a guy who was a boyfriend at the time and i was in the process of breaking up with him and part of it was because i realized like i'm like I'm definitely queer. Like I and and it's not fair to either of us because mm-hmm. I don't actively want to be here right now. And so I didn't say it like that. Yeah, I was no, very but, kind, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I I did that. I broke up with him, and um, I was like, okay, I I think maybe I'll tell my parents because I've accepted it in myself. Like I, you know, and knowing them, you know, especially my mother. M- let me let me correct this. My mother, my dad, we he we don't ever have serious conversations like unless there's, you know, some some influence happening right. under the influence happening. But so I knew my mom. My mom has um like a very avoidant reaction. So when she's overwhelmed, like it's to leave her, mm-hmm. you know, she needs to go. And so um man, we we budded like we butt heads a lot because we have a lot of similarities, but we're also very different in our communication. Like I want to communicate and sit in it and talk Mm -hmm. to you and like have reflection. And she's like, I can't even process it enough in the moment to give you that. And Mm -hmm. so we had to learn to compromise in that way. Um, But so I, knowing her i i go over i was like hey can i come over do you have the capacity <laughs> like a little bit i'm like a younger person right like do you right. have the capacity to hold something with me today um and she's like already her little alert sensors Uh-oh. are going Uh-oh. up right like and she was like okay so <laughs> i go over and i was like okay let's just sit down and i prefaced it by saying because i'm 
because of our household, I just became a very closed off person. Like it didn't feel safe to share when I had big emotions or things. And I also felt like I was protecting and taking care of my brother and sister and that like letting them experience that. But so um, she sits down and I was like, I want to preface by saying, I know I can be closed off. I know sometimes you'll ask me things and I'll be like, get the F out of here. Don't want to talk to you. And I was like, but I won't do that today. Like, I will be as open as possible. You can ask whatever questions you want and like, I'll do my best to answer them with you. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and again, like I'm this young kid, like it was like a parent sitting down right. with a child. Right. And so I was like, okay. So, you know, like I'm, I'm gay. I also never like beat around the bush with my parents. It just mm -hmm. was like, I'm gay. I'm, I'm doing this. Like I'm, I'm moving in with someone, you know, it's like, right. I just am very straightforward about things. And her reaction was she got up, didn't say anything and just went and did the dishes. And so I sat on the couch for a minute and I was like, and I expected that. I expected that response deeply. And so I sat on the couch, gave her a second. I went into the kitchen and I said, hey, I know this is a lot for you to process. And I want you to know, like, if you have questions, I'm still open to answering them. Nothing. She didn't say anything. So I left and we didn't talk for a few days. Um, and then uh, my dad talked through my mom. So anytime he had something he wanted to say to us, it came from my mom. But I remember my mom. <laughs> Oh my God, it's actually cracks me up so much now. But my mom was saying that her and my dad were worried that I was going to like basically like join a motorcycle gang or, gang or something, like become a just like butch right. lesbian on a bike, bro. I was just about to say, yeah, there, yes. there are organizations, right? But that's yes. not where my mind 100%. And then I was so confused. Well, why would that be a bad thing? That part, right? I was like, okay, first of all, like, and I think it was because when I came out, I felt more free to dress a little bit more masculine. Like, mm -hmm. they had always really tried to peg me into this, like, wear dresses. You're doing sure. this. Like, all of, kind of jokes on her, but all of my middle school pictures, I'm crying. My graduation pictures, I'm just crying in them because she put me in this little skirt and purple, like, cami with a camisole. Oh and I was like, God. I don't want to wear this. Right. She's like, well, Too bad. it's your outfit. And I was like, I'm going to cry through the whole ceremony then. <laughs> Cried through the whole ceremony, bro. And I was the oh. salutatorian in middle school. And I, so I had to give a speech. And I was mad. So I was like, I guess, like, thank you to my parents and, like, my teachers and, like, up <laughs> Yeah, and then walked off, right? Um, but so they've always, even to this day, I remember, um, uh, like, a, maybe a year ago, my sister called me and was like, Dad just said something really beautiful about you the other day that I wanted to share. And I was like, oh, vibes, yeah, what is it? And she goes, he said, you're not gay. You just love who you love. So I, I kind of sat there for a second and I was like, do I give them my like fiery Leo wild child right. rebuttal or do I just like take this one on the chin and let them think like, like that was really progressive and yeah and nice of them. And, and so accepting. I was like, okay, vibes, like, thank you guys. And you know, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, like, like there's duality in life. Right. Those, those two can exist on the same plane. And so. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just been a weird thing. I think, um, 
and and then my mom has become very worried about my sister being gay. I'm like, Uh-oh, you don't catch true. it. You don't catch true. it, you know? And so it's, it's like little hints of like, are you, why are you going out with that friend? How close oh. are you to that friend? Like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, bro, first of all, who cares? Like, and right. maybe she is, but also like, it's, it's not something that just catches on in the family. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. if she comes out, it's because she feels safe enough to come out. Not because like I turned her, right. like I'm not having meetings with my siblings being like, okay, we're welcome to the gay turning cohort. Right, like right, right, we right. are here today to talk about your sexuality. Right. Like you have two more years mm-hmm. to hit this milestone mm-hmm. of gayness. Right? Yes. And like, if you don't, we're done. Then it's too late. You cannot yeah. enter the community. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's been very interesting and what I will say is working in mental health has, has been a savior for me mm-hmm. because I just don't internalize it. It's well, like not so, mine to take on. So I'm curious, coming from this household and raising of basically non-communicators, mm-hmm. and you are, at my experience around you, which isn't extensive, but we've mm-hmm. met and spent some time, you're a very effective communicator. So where did you learn that? Where did that come from? So... Honestly, working in mental health. So I, um, well, and I, I would watch, I've always, it's like, sometimes it's hard to explain. I've always felt very much a part of my family and at the same time, very much not a part of my family. Like Mm -hmm. there's been a part of my brain that has recognized for a long time things I didn't like or things I didn't align with or times where like I knew as a parent that should have been done. And so I just like, you know, I endured a lot of, a lot of my response was shame based Mm -hmm. because I was told that these like crucial parts of my identity that at first I thought were really beautiful and I loved weren't okay. And not only were they not okay, but like, it's not even a thing to where we're going to talk about it. You know, like I tried, even when I was like, starting to go through like puberty and like having interest in like just deeper, more meaningful thoughts about relationships. Right. Like I went to my mom and I was like, Hey, I want to talk about some of these things. And I remember she was on the computer and she looked at me and she's like, no, you're not ready. And turned back and just started doing like computer work again. And so it was like, to me, what that embedded was for a long time, I just didn't talk. So people Mm -hmm. didn't know what to think about me because I just was like, I don't, nothing I say matters and, or it's invalidated. So I'm just kind of done. Yeah. What's the point? And, um, I think it also, that was reflected in like relationships I got into, like just really unhealthy, abusive relationships that like mirrored that of like, my value is how I make someone else feel, not what I'm feeling or my existence or being. And so I, I went to school to be a teacher because Mm -hmm. I just, I always liked working with kids. I did like after school programs or lifeguarding. And I just felt like, I think there's this safety with kids because you know Mm -hmm. where you stand with them. In my family, it was so passive and you never knew like. When you had experience with your siblings. Yes. So it's kind of baked in there. Yes. Right. Yeah. And just like uh, that, that caretaker, you know, we Mm -hmm. become a caretaker. And so I was like looking for ways to like outlet that. And so I went to school to be a teacher and um, gosh, there's, 
there are such distinct moments in my life that I remember so vividly that are like these markers of a change in path for me. Mm -hmm. And so I went to school to teach and, um, I was teaching a Spanish, Spanish for Spanish speakers. So we were just really focusing on like learning to read and write, right? Like their Spanish was better than mine. It was just like, if you want to use this for a job or you want more like skills like that. And so it was, oh my God, it was beautiful. We had the most beautiful classroom and like I had them help me with lesson planning, right? Because it was like, what do you guys want to teach me? And here's what I can teach you. And I had this one kid, I loved every day going to them. Like I, and that's saying a lot because I had to be there at like seven in the morning. I'm not a morning person, but I was excited to like see the kids. Mm-hmm. And so I had this one kid, Gabriel, and he would come in and he, he was like, and he was a freshman, but he was big, tall, beefy kid. Right. And he'd come in and he would be so mad and so mean, like to me, to the classmates. Right. And, um, I could always kind of like redirect him and he'd chill. But like one day he was, he was, I think he was going in on me or something or Mm. doing something. And so I was like, okay. And kind of gave the class an activity they could work on. And I was like, can let's, let's check in real quick. Like let's step outside, you know, away from the class. So I pulled him out and I was like, Hey dude, like I just need to meet some mutual ground with you. Like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, I, you know, if something's rough, like I get that, but I also can't like have you talking to me like that. Like it's just not okay. And so I was like, you know, is everything okay? Like, how are you doing? And he's like, no, like shit sucks right now. And I was like, okay, vibes. I get that anger. Like I've been, I have been the angry person. I still am sometimes. Um, and so I go, I go, what about like a, like a code word when you come in and you've just had a crappy night give me, give me a code word, bro. And like, we had a couch in our classroom. I was like, you go be on the couch. I'll give you some independent work. If you can do it, do it. If you can't Mm -hmm. that day, I just appreciate you showing up. And so he sat there for a minute and I didn't think he was going to go for it because Mm -hmm. it's like sometimes in high school, right. It's so hit or miss. Cause they're like, I'm not a kid. Um, but he, we sat there real quietly and he wasn't, he didn't say anything for a long time. And so I just said, okay, dude, like you can marinate on that. You don't have to come up with a decision. Like let's go back in. And I was like, but no, like we got to figure out a way to have some mutual respect. Mm -hmm. And we're about to walk in and he like taps me on the shoulder I turn around and he's like, pineapples. And I said, pineapples? And he's like, pineapples. So we go in, right? He comes back in the next few days. He's actually chilling. But he comes in maybe like that Friday, the last day of the week. And he looks at me. He's like, Miss G, pineapples. And I was like, go get your seat on the couch, my dude. And that moment, I was like, I want to be able to do that with every single kid in here. Mm. And I cannot. The system does not set me up for that. No way. Um, And so I even though that was so beautiful and I loved being in the classroom in that way, I knew like, I want to get more individualized, but going back to the question about just communication, mm-hmm. um, because I endured so much shame, my goal interacting with any kid was to avoid that. Mm-hmm. How can I hold accountability and be there and be present, but not cause shame for you? Like, um, a a long time ago, like I had read something somewhere, but it was, I was a kid and it was like, your existence is not a burden. 
Mm. And so like anyone that comes into my life, if they, if I notice they start to apologize for their existence, cause that's something I'm very well versed in. Like your existence is not a burden, not a burden to me. Not, it's not a burden in general. Like we're chilling. And I just think there's something so powerful in that. Like, I think rarely anyone, rarely are we ever allowed to just exist. There's always some sort of tether or constraint or expectation or value placed on us. And like, that was, that was my goal. I think like, and, and that kid really helped me see that. Like, I want to help people support people and myself Mm -hmm. in feeling like, your existence is not a burden. And I quickly realized that part of doing that is learning how to build relationships, which was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And then communication. And so I started going to therapy, which my family was like, we don't believe in that. What are you doing? That's oh, no. weird. Um, and I was like, well, you cannot believe in it, but I'm now actually like living and working it. So it's kind of real. Like I'm here. Um, but it just was like so much trial and error with so many different kids mm. and messing up and then recognizing like it's not the mess up that you need to focus on. It's uh, how you are accountable afterward, whether it's a child, whether it's an adult, whether, whomever, that everyone deserves the same accountability from me. Mm. And that if I didn't show up in the way that they deserved, it might have been the only way I could show up. But if I didn't show up in the way that they deserved, then I'm going to own that. And I think I didn't ever get that as a kid from any adult that I was like, you're not, why are you not showing up? Like, I know you should be keeping me safe in this moment, but you're not, and you're not even, there's no recognition of it. And so, yeah, that's when that became really important for me of like, okay, if I wouldn't have talked to that dude, we would have been in a different situation, but like all we had to do was talk. Yeah. Awesome. It was very long winded. No, that's beautiful. No. Yeah. Love, no, love it. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, and so, so where did you go college? So I moved down to so Virginia City is like forty five minutes away from Reno. Like you go up a little Geiger Grade is the road. So I moved down and went to um, the University of Nevada Reno okay. UNR because um, I was gonna go to this is one I don't regret anything. I think like. Um, I try to look at things of like, as long as I know what I was supposed to learn from it, I don't, I don't regret that. I did what I could with the tools that I had at that time. And as long, if I own it, if I did harm, I don't regret it. Um, but I think the one, the one choice I always teeter on was like, I had a scholarship to go play basketball and volleyball up at a school in Oregon. Um, but I said no. And I had a financially it was like a good choice too because I was able to get local scholarships Mm -hmm. but um I just was scared I was scared Mm -hmm. to be away from my sister and brother and um I was in like a kind of toxic relationship at the time that I was holding on to like this is my value also here right now and I said no and that's one one thing I think is just like sometimes I wonder if that decision had been a different decision, but I don't know there. I think I love the path that I'm on right now too. Mm -hmm. And there are things that validate why that happened. But yeah, I went down to 
UNR and um, did all my finished my bachelor's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so let's let's fast forward a little bit. Um, so why peer work? How'd you get into peer work? So I okay. So I started off in um, residential care was mm-hmm. like really the first kind of significant mental health. Um, like professional experience that I had and I didn't realize for for a long time I didn't realize kind of how toxic some of the pieces of my family were until I started working in mental health and people mm-hmm. would tell their story and I'd be like wait that's abusive because nobody nuded <laughs> nobody says so, right it's a how do you know? yeah um and like my family there's a lot of addiction. So mm-hmm. like I grew up partying with my parents. Mm-hmm. Like we always had parties at our house and right. you could partake, especially just, after a certain age. And so it was yeah. a norm. And so when I moved out of that environment and like, I would talk about partying with your parents, right. Or talk about <laughs> like, and people were like, what? what? You did what? With like the your faces parents? people, would, they're like, All right, that, that makes me want to crawl in a hole. And I'm like, right. Wow, bro, you're not getting lit with your family. Um, and so I, it was weird because for a long time, I like, it was so glorified. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, we're, you would love my parents. We, we do this. We're so cool. We're blah. And then it's like later on when like the, those little piece of like reality slaps, like those slap mm-hmm. bracelets where it's like, Hey bro, <laughs> you might need to maybe work on this a little bit. Like, let me introduce you to this world called addiction and uh, how it can influence you. And so, um, through hearing the stories of others, I realized like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I'm starting to piece together why I'm so drawn to this. And it's because, I felt so unseen in some of these moments or I have had some of the same experiences where I've been invalidated, but maybe just didn't realize to the, the depth to which, you know, that happened. And so that molded me and I had such a great mentor there. Um, and she was just incredible. And she also had significant lived experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and really taught me a lot about that. Then I so then I started doing facilitation, and got to learn about the peer role in Washington because I I did do it in a bit of a capacity in California. It's just categorized a little bit mm-hmm. differently. Um, but so yeah, and like meeting people like our you know our coworker Jalisa and like meeting the peers on our teams. I was just like, this is beautiful and the work that I liked to do like Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be on a team directly working with people I want to be able to support them there's a certain level of depth to which I I want and need to go if -hmm. that's relevant and, and helpful to the family so um I moved out of kind of that facilitation realm and I was feeling a bit of burnout with um case management and systems like mm-hmm. I've been in mental health for about 13 years give or take and you, you just get you get burnt out on the politics it's right. like it's never the people it's right. the politics it's like morally being feeling unaligned mm-hmm. um and I so I wanted to take the peer training and heard about dad's move and um 
I, I really loved the certification process because mm-hmm. I think, and every system has, gets abused or gets changed or whatever, right? But I love that the core principle is like recovery is anything and everything. It's so dependent on the person mm-hmm. and possible for everyone. Mm-hmm. And like, that was a that's like a reframe I've been trying to give myself for a long time. Like, I think you have enough stuff happen. And at least for me personally, like I started to believe like, okay, I just deserve Mm -hmm. shit to happen. Like I, I, you know, it's like, I can't look at bad events in my life as like sad because I just probably deserve it. Like I'm not a good person, you know, like you lose that sense of value and like meeting peers and meeting people in mental health is like, I would never tell another human that ever right right so why is it so applicable to me and so I had to look at that and shift off and I think the step with peer work is like a a part of that journey for me of like Mm. how do I show up and and be consciously aware of my recovery and what my recovery is and you know like enmeshment for me was such a big thing right Mm. and just like taking um support groups for like codependency things like that where it's just all these little pieces building up of like yeah again leading to like your existence is not a burden and then wanting to show up for people in that Mm. in that space when I can ethically do that and I think yeah that's been a part of this journey and I just think there's something beautiful in making a human connection where there's just no judgment. Like you just, we just are existing and, and, and I'm here to support you in that path of existence. And if, but you're making all the choices, I'm never going to, and I'm never going to judge your choice because I don't know. I haven't lived what you lived. I don't know what your brain is experiencing. I just don't know. And so just because I think for, for me, it doesn't fit or I don't align. It doesn't mean it doesn't for you. So like, who am I to, and I'm that stubborn person that like, if you tell me to do something, I, I automatically now can't. Right. I just physically right. can't physically, right. emotionally, mentally. And so like, I try to never tell anyone else what to do. Cause I know that elicits for me of like, do you not trust me to make my own choices? Cause I mean, some of them weren't great, but I'm here vibing. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think, um, connection, honestly, mm-hmm. connection and community I have found really deeply within peer work. Okay. And so uh, you talked about finding dad's move. And so how I'm trying to, I, I always forget timelines. How long it been five, six months? Yeah. Right around there. Maybe okay. like four. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so uh, what are you doing now? What do you hope to be doing? What's on the horizon? Yes. I, um, I, you know, I think really what I want to work toward, I love, programming and policy and ethics I feel like nothing's gonna nothing's gonna change if we just keep using the same systems Mm -hmm. so it's like I love programming because it's like how can we get creative how can we get more person-centered like I just think every mental health agency should have a a parent board Mm -hmm. like people that have been in the program people that have navigated mental health themselves like maybe parents that are mental health professionals and a sounding board and i think like we should need to check in on policy and things mm-hmm. that we're doing and say like is what was your experience is this something that would work for you 
And so I love that. I love getting to create program and even just like, you know, stuff outside of that. That's just fun to do. I like Mm -hmm. activities. I like play. I love creating where I think mental health is like, it's so bogged down and like, it has to be clinical and it has to be serious. And it's like, no, it's also a place where you can learn to have fun. It's a place where you can learn to celebrate yourself, where you can learn to exist. Like, I don't think it always has to be focused on you have trauma. That's why you're here. It's like, no, everyone needs skills. And like, we're just a place that can help with a certain skill set. That's all we're doing. Like, it's nothing wrong with you. Everyone just needs skills. Mm. And so I wish I would have had a place to go to that was like very non-judgmentally and not like this othered place of being where it's just like, no, nah, bro, you just need some social help. Like, don't we all like, you know what I mean? And uh, just take that stigma out of it. Make it like the norm. Like the norm is we're going to play a game. And if you have a hard time, then maybe we could do a deeper check in. But if you vibe socially, then like that's a win for me. That is a session that is therapeutic. Um, and so just, you know, like I think therapy is important and I advocate for it and I'm do it myself, but I think we can step outside of that realm sometimes of like, it's just skill building. Mm-hmm. You go to school to build academic skills and social skills, but there's no social supports. Right. So, yeah, just like normalizing and making um, support more accessible and information more accessible. There's all this like gatekeeping of like you have to know someone who knows someone to know about Mm -hmm. this program and Mm -hmm. know how to do the referral process. It's like, why is that just not available? And some of that stems from like my ADHD It's like you need me to do five tasks to complete one task. No, thank you. Right. No, no, because I'm already doing the one task. Like, I don't want to do four more freaking things before it to get to this point. Like, and sometimes if my it gives me enough dopamine, I'll do that. But like, oftentimes seeking therapeutic services isn't a huge dopamine hit. Right. I mean, unless right. you just meet someone that you're like, we vibe, bro. Like, yes. But yeah, so I think um, for me, it's all about like normalizing and just creating safety for existence. For everyone and accountability and beyond that, bring whatever, bring it all, you know, like no, awesome. there's not too little or too much. I love it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think, I think that's good. I think yeah. we can wrap up. Um, I, I want to tell you, you have to be in, in my view, mm-hmm. one of the most just chill, relaxed, people i've met in a long time and at the same time one of the most confident powerful voices thank you in the room and i'm just glad i've been able to experience it that means a lot thank you so much because because it's it's fun to see and cool to experience thank you it's been a, a long time coming like but i i love I love being chill. I just, I really can't be bothered now. It's like, and, but when I can be bothered, I'm going to bring it. I've seen it. Um, But yeah, so thank you so much, Sophie. Joe, you're amazing. This was excellent. This was so much fun. And what they say is true. You do create like a safe, just like it feels very um, organic process. So thank you. Love it. And to you listening, thanks so much for listening. This has been the Dad's Move podcast, and we'll be back with another episode at some point. Yes. Have a great rest of your day.